welcome back everybody to another episode of the Cybersecurity Ambassador podcast. My name is Jackie. I'm your host today and I'm joined with a special guest, Ryan Barnes, <laughs> who is the main advisor, works with CISA. Yeah. Did I CISA. CISA. Yeah, okay. we have a YouTube uh, video just for that. That's oh great. Yeah, yeah, yeah I should yeah. have watched that. I should oh, have no, done that's my all homework. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so for anyone who, actually I'll let you explain, why don't you tell us what CISA is? Sure, yeah. Uh, so we're a part of the Department of Homeland Security, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Uh, we value security so much we put it in the name twice. <laughs> um, you know, the, the vision that we have is uh, secure today, defend tomorrow, and how we do that is by offering um, essentially like consulting services, uh, tools, tools and toolkits available for people. Um, that are in the 16 critical sectors, um, you know, throughout the state and throughout the, the nation to enhance their physical security, but also in my lane, you know, the cybersecurity of it. So uh, if anybody is looking around and going, gee, we could really use a hand, but we don't have the, uh, the expertise or the funding or the time. Um, yeah, contacting the local cybersecurity advisor is a way to overcome some of those challenges um, at no cost. Um, we're non-regulatory, non-statutory. Everything that's, you know, said um, will not be held against you in a court of law type of a deal, you know, <laughs> barring if it's breaking the law, don't do that. But, you know, we're, we're a trusted agent. The, the biggest thing that we deal in for currency is trust and being able to help people um, secure uh, their networks, their information, their operations against the threats that we're facing every second of every day. Yeah, uh, that's great to hear. And I think that there's a huge need for that um, as technology just keeps advancing and you know, businesses already have so much on their mind and things that they have to to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, so I, I suspect a lot of businesses now are suddenly becoming more aware that cybersecurity is an issue and that they need to take it seriously. And um, so, yeah, that's that's uh, great. And I like that. What, what was it exactly you said? Uh, defend? Uh, secure today, defend tomorrow. Okay, yeah. Could you kind of give a little bit of information on that, that yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously the threats and challenges that we face today with ransomware, um, you know, hacktivists, uh, targeting PLCs that are exposed on the public internet because you can find them uh, with a, a network scan or something like that. But we're also looking at the, the uh, def uh, defending tomorrow by looking at the advanced threats of like AI, you know, and mm. what that is going to entail or quantum computing and what, what those uh, next stages are going to look like. So while we're really focusing on helping people um, be more secure with the challenges that they're facing in today's environment, we're also proactively going after the future and going, okay, we see this coming. What are we going to be able to do, provide, offer, et cetera, to mitigate the, the threats that are coming down the pike to be able to be uh, at least uh, in step with them, if not one step ahead? Yeah. And you're talking about emerging technologies, and you mentioned AI. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. AI has been around for a while, but I feel like it's really blown up over the last couple of years, even just in the time that I've been in school. Mm -hmm. And so even the things that I'm learning, like, for example, with phishing, yep. one thing that we're taught often is like the, the telltale signs are grammar and things that are very noticeable in a message. But now with AI a lot of that's changing where you get these grammatically and perfectly tailored messages because somebody just put it into an AI and yeah. they can spit it out. So it's interesting to just see the challenging, the, the challenges arise of trying to 
keep up with all these new methods that attackers have. Yeah, never mind. I mean, AI is one of the more simple ones in my mind to, to kind of overcome. It's it's going to be the deep fake type stuff where uh, my voice now can be used against me and be like, oh, Ryan said this. Oh, no. You know, like, <laughs> oh, it's out on the Internet. <laughs> um, you know, my face and, and things like that. If it was to be exposed on the Internet, which, you know, we talked about earlier, it's it's very few pictures of me out there for, for that purpose. Um, you know, we're seeing... Uh, images and, and video uh, and uh, audio coming from significantly influential figures. And it's hard to distinguish if that's really them on the image that we're seeing or if it's someone using technology to impersonate them. And what could that result in, right? How do we, how do we inform people, hey, this is disinformation with a, with a level of certainty and trust that's been established to be able to be like, no, that actually wasn't what they said. That wasn't them. That was someone else. Or to the other side of it, how can you prove that it wasn't or that it was them when it truly was you know that's right. getting more and more difficult so yeah. attribution yeah. it is it's a a challenge to like you said i think the um authentic the, the authentic part trying to battle misinformation especially and it's interesting too because yeah. i had a, a previous guest on our podcast who talked about biometrics and okay. how we use that to unlock everything as convenience but you know in his mind he's thinking okay well what happens when the day comes when people can steal my fingerprint or right. my retina scan or you know we use that for so much right now to yeah. secure our devices and um you know kind of got me thinking like oh maybe maybe i shouldn't be using that technology because how how far down the road before that becomes uh you know just something that yeah, I'm vulnerable to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you think to the days of uh, cave people, right? Oh, we put a door on our house. Oh, now we need to lock the door. Oh, now we need to have a security alarm. Oh, now we need to have a dog. Oh, now we need to have motion detecting lights and armed security. It's just going to continue to escalate. There's always going to be a desire for those who uh, want what you have to take the easy route and obtain it. It's up to us as security professionals to save one step ahead. And, uh, you know, if even if we um, have to sacrifice a little convenience, for a little more security, uh, I argue that that uh, is going to come to a fruition um, at some point. So it may mm -hmm. be biometrics, it may be the Internet 2.0 that some people talk about uh, with a complete uh, um, authentication requirements and things like that. But there's definitely going to come a point, I think, in our lifetime when push is going to come to shove and we're going to say, all right, enough's enough. No more <laughs> of this. We're putting in the guard dog, you know, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. It's just what's that going to look like? It is. It's, it's, uh, I'm, recognizing it as a, a challenge to kind of balance that triad of the the confidentiality the integrity and, and availability because you know you you don't want so many mm -hmm. systems in place that you know it takes you an hour just to log yeah. in and, yeah. and begin your day um so it's, it's interesting to see where things go and um you know speaking of directions you know i'm i'm curious could you tell us you know where your journey started and and what led you onto this path? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, so started out at, uh, you know, homegrown Manor up in the county, right? Uh, decided, uh, you know, all right, we got to get out of the county at least for a little while, see what else is in the <laughs> world. So I went to the uh, University of Maine, you know, when it, I went out of the county at least, right? Went down yeah. to the University of Maine at Orono, uh, decided I wanted to give my hand at engineering. Um, went to, I think it was ECE 212 or something like that. And then they decided I wasn't cut out for engineering. So I uh, went to the engineering technology group and really found my home there because uh, like like we used to joke, uh, engineers create the problems of tomorrow. We engineering technologists fix the problems of today. And I really liked working with my hands and fixing things um, at the time. So 
found my home there, um, found a, a good tribe to, to call my own and uh, graduated from UMaine Orono on the five-year program. Uh, let's just say we had a good time while we were there, but we, we did eventually end up getting that degree, which is great. And um, yeah, went to work for one of the local phone companies for a while, um, had uh, some, some good times with those folks there as a, a network engineer and things of that nature. So uh, helping them design the, uh, the fiber networks that we see today and the uh, faster internet, you know, not the DSL, but beyond mm. that, right? So help develop that throughout Maine. Then uh, decided I wanted to go learn how to fly planes for whatever reason. I saw someone in the Air Force uniform and I was like, oh, I'm inspired. Uh, <laughs> you know, originally when I was younger, I wanted to join the military. I just yeah. never got around to it, I guess. And uh, after a couple of years, I said, all right, yeah, now it's the time to go talk to these folks. And I said, yeah, I want to fly planes. You know, I want something different. I don't want to mm-hmm. work with ones and zeros anymore. So we went and, you know, signed up for the military. What was going to go fly planes. Uh, got there and they looked at my eyes and they said, uh-uh, you're blind. You're going to go be a, <laughs> you're going to go be a cyber operator. I said, what's that? I really yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the first introduction to cyber for me. And I was like, uh, is it because I know computers and stuff? They said, yeah, sure. Whatever kid sign here. <laughs> so I went and did that for a while, um, with the air force full time, uh, learned a lot of, a lot of cool things and, uh, you know, uh, Got to open my eyes a little bit to how the world was evolving around me at the time. Um, so went on active duty and they said, hey, bud, you're, you're real good at this stuff. We want to send you to uh, work with a specialized agency um, kind of in the D.C. area. Uh, oh, by the way, I hope you don't like sunshine because you'll never see it again for the next four oh, years. No. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, no, I, I kind of do like sunshine and I kind of <laughs> know what you're talking about. I don't want to do that. So uh, luckily I had some friends up here with the, the main Air National Guard that said, hey, you know, we do stuff in the sunshine all the time and we're kind of cyber related. Come up here. So I transferred off of active duty, um, came up here. Luckily, I still had some some friends at the phone company that said, ah, we'll take you back. Why not? <laughs> so I was working part time with the guard and part time with the uh, the phone company again. And then uh, the guard said, oh, we're going to send you down to Washington, D.C. to go help them out with something. I was like, oh, geez, here's the box. And yeah, I was right. We were stuck in the box for a couple of months. Oh. But they, you know, they had a good time down there and we, we fixed quite a few things. And um, since then, I've been running with the uh, the cyber squadron for the guard, um, traveling the world, doing a lot of cool things, making robust and resilient infrastructure, helping them address some of the challenges uh, with growth and development, as you can imagine. That is the military mm-hmm. industrial complex, right? Right. Uh, I had a friend who was at the power company, though, that said, hey, uh, we're trying to do cyber kind of stuff over here. Do you want a job over here? I said, I don't know why. And he says, it comes with a truck. I said, okay, yeah, you got me. <laughs> a free truck sounds good. So I went to work with the power company for a while, doing um, helping them do distribution for communication lines and making sure that there's appropriate separation and things like that because uh, of my infrastructure background. And then uh, I deployed again um to the middle east and when i got back they said what'd you do over there i said oh i ran a cyber squadron doing you know cyber mission defense and operations and uh doing some infrastructure out there for them too they said wait a minute you're a cyber person and i said yeah and they said oh we need a cyber lead here here's your program go forth and do <laughs> so I stood up the cyber program at a power company um from soup to nuts which is um you know luckily in great hands today and as i was doing that journey um there was this vulnerability that came out called log4j you may remember it wasn't that big it only impacted the entire world (laughs) uh and it was inherent to like tons of applications and things and i was spending a lot of time looking at this because of the responsibilities that we had there you know with providing safe and reliable power to the people of maine and uh only a small responsibility yeah especially in winter it's 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 fine electricity yeah yeah (laughs) no 
So spent a lot of time looking at that. And I, I was talking with some agency called CISA and I was like, what's going on here? They're advising us and giving us some intelligence. And it was good, you know, it gave mm-hmm. me some ideas, but I found a root cause, like a root error in their logic. And I said, Hey, this is, this is only getting maybe half of the story, maybe a little more, you know, I didn't do any, any real measurements, but I knew it wasn't all of the story for our network. So I said, okay, I'll try your method. I'll try my method. Uh, tried the method that I had that had it looking at a deeper level, like kernel levels and things. And we found um, more, uh, not infections, but more of this log4j presence that was, you know, being exploited and stuff actively if they were on your network. So I emailed CISA Central, I think at the time, or whatever, US Cert Central at the time, the, the, the mothership, right? And I said, hey guys, I want to talk to you about this. I think we have something here that might help you all, help everybody else. And I get a phone call from the, the regional representative at the time and, and we start talking. He's like, uh, yeah, this is, this is good. Uh, we should talk. Do you want a job? <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, I don't want to go to, you know, Boston or DC or anything like that. They said, no, no, you could stay where you are um, and continue helping the people that you are, but you're going to work for us and you're going to help out 16 critical sectors and you're going to do this then all these good things. And I'm sitting there going, well, that's cool. Um, yeah, I guess, <laughs> you know, so, um, still good friends with the power company that I used to work for, help them, you know, talk with them all the time. But, uh, it's, it's, uh, now my skills are, you know, available for everybody yeah. to kind of go and say, Hey Ryan, we could use a hand here. Do you mind coming and taking a look or, you know, going out and, uh, uh, just kind of linking up the right people, mm-hmm. you know, and making sure that there's these circles of excellence that we're trying to establish and introducing people. So, yeah. Yeah. That's it's been a pretty good gig since then. I was going to say, I think you've got a very unique experience. I think not not even just from military, which I mm-hmm. think by the sounds of it did provide you with some very unique and interesting opportunities. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I would be curious, do you have a specific scenario that really stands out in your mind that you were like, this was really cool. This was something you were really proud of or um or just excited that you had that opportunity sure i mean there's 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 levels right so i mean the one that stands out to me to be like proud of was like when i was first leading as a young lieutenant right uh i'm leading people that have been doing the job for 30 years in some cases like (laughs) civilians and master sergeants and and captains and things like that and we had what was called a command cyber readiness inspection i was like oh geez i'm in over my head maybe um, cause this sounds big, right? They could mm-hmm. shut off our network. Uh, and that happened to two bases prior when they failed this oh. inspection type of thing. It was uh, no pressure. Yeah, no, no big deal. Here you go. Uh, you'll figure it out. And so, uh, you know, I, I realized quickly that, um, cybersecurity is something that, um, you can't do alone. Like no matter how smart I was, how much I was trained, no matter, you know, all the technology and tools that I had at my fingertips without the team behind or really, you know, uh, with me, not behind me, with me, mm-hmm. um, and supporting them and their goals um, to meet these challenges, we wouldn't have been excess- successful as we were. And oh, by the way, it wasn't just a in-time preparation for an inspection. We discovered that just because of how collaboratively we started from like day one almost, uh, we were already good. And then we continued to be good throughout you know, so it wasn't just like, oh, we got the A, never mind, now security is like whatever. <laughs> right. uh, we we had it from like day one. We had these discussions and empowerment for those folks to be making those right decisions. So when the time for an inspection came around, it was already, you know, a, a secure environment that met muster, right? Not only once, but twice while I was there on four different networks. So it was kind of like, okay, yeah, we can do this. Like, But it really taught me <laughs> yeah. at that point, like, you know, I was really proud to recognize I can't do this on my own. It's too big, mm-hmm. but I can definitely help empower the people and um, 
help them overcome some challenges maybe that they have and really fill those gaps where I can uh, to, to be successful as a team in this security thing. And that was really kind of like, okay, cool. Like if we can keep them out who have unfettered access to our stuff to break it, uh, then yeah, we're probably going to keep out most folks trying to get in. Right. So that was the, the kind of like, well, <laughs> oh, I, I love that story. That's yeah. um, a really good message too. I think they're just kind of bringing this idea that cybersecurity is, it's just this big issue that's you know it's larger than any of us and and being able to find people that you can rely on and work together so i i I like that thank you yeah kind of a a bit of a follow-up question what do you find most rewarding about your job as i get more gray hair or less gray hair as you look at it depending on how (laughs) depending on who asks um i've quickly evolved from one of like uh you know, getting the job done, I guess, getting the task done, being like, that's my, my, like, yeah, that's good to, um, a mindset of empowerment and impact. Um, what I mean by that is like, when I see someone in my role where I have given them information, knowledge, um, or some support, even just someone to listen to their ideas, to validate them. And that almost sigh of relief that they get with, oh, I can do this. Oh, I, I am going to be successful. I, I can recover if I do have an incident now. Uh, that empowerment um, to them really is the biggest reward for me because, again, I can't be everywhere all at once, nor would I be the expert on everything everywhere all at once. They're the experts. Mm-hmm. I'm just giving them that leg up to be either showing, demonstrating to them that you can do this cybersecurity thing. Maybe it's not something that you're 100% comfortable, but you have a, you know, uh, a person in your corner that's willing to back you if you come up against it. And oh, by the way, you're doing better than you think. A lot of folks, when I first come in and I start asking them questions, I almost get the feeling like they feel like they're they're doing a poor job and they're not doing enough because of all the the negative influence we see in the news and other things where it's constantly happening. But realistically, um, most of them are doing a fantastic job recognizing the limitations that they have and understanding, okay, we do have limitations. What are we going to do to mitigate those um, to the best of our ability? You know, by the way, um, be strategic about it, mm-hmm. uh, not just uh, the rudderless ship, you know, in the middle of the night, right? We really need to figure out wh- what we can do to make an impact. So when I give them those two things, you know, that that pathway to good and that impact statement, essentially, for like, if you do this, this is what the result is. That's really tying it all together for them. They're like, oh, my gosh, like that aha moment. Yeah. If I can get that aha moment, (laughs) I've done my job for the day. I'm I'm good. You know, that's what really does it for me. Um, And it's not just within cybersecurity. It's like with talking to anybody, right, Uh, from a leadership position as well. Uh, If I can if I can reach somebody to meet their goals uh, or help them define and then meet their goals, uh, that's huge for me. Yeah, that's interesting and kind of just, you know, I've asked this question a few times of, of my other guests and I, I'm i kind of hearing a little parallels in terms of teaching, you know, mm-hmm. that that's kind of the reward feeling for a lot of professors and teachers is when they get that kind of aha moment from, mm-hmm. from their students. And I'm also hearing, um, you know, a lot of qualities with leadership in terms of empowering other people to be self-sufficient and and be able to reach things that they thought they were not capable of doing. Um, So I'm kind of curious, was there a certain period in your life where you felt like you had this transition from, I think you had mentioned you you were focusing on, you know, being successful and getting the job done and and meeting your goals to Mm kind of now helping other people get to that point too. Yeah, I think that really happened. 
you know, probably a couple of years ago, actually, not not too long ago anyway, when I had that kind of a switch in mentality. Like if you gave me a task, Ryan was going to get the task done. <laughs> uh, you know, it didn't matter. I would work day and night. I would I would make sure that I knew how to accomplish whatever was set before me. Uh, but there then came a day when I was like, gee, there's, you know, questioning your own mortality almost, right? Uh, <laughs> what if I'm not here? You right. know, what if Terrifying something question. happens? Well, not even like, oh, Ryan's dead, but like just not available, well, right? right? If I'm elsewhere, right? Or All I'm, these people who are depending on you. Right. I'd, I'd rather have them be able to stand on their own and be effective than just have Ryan and their cell phone to call for help, right? Um, so the mindset shift was a, one of like, oh, I can do anything. Let me go and I'll take care of it and get out the way and I'll type on the keyboard and yeah, the hackers are out, you know, to one of, okay, I need to teach you within your skill set the ability to respond, recover, adapt, overcome, whatever it is, uh, and then develop your skill set to a point where it's meeting your needs for that potential um, worst day of your life, you know, essentially, how are you going to respond to that? And then helping you identify those gaps and helping you um, overcome those challenges, mm -hmm. right? So that there wasn't like a, a specific day. I just think over time, I started waking up and Gene, my back hurts. I don't want to get up today, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. you know, it was just one of those gradual things. And I think that's really <laughs> what caused it is just that gradual um, mind shift uh, going from uh, give it to me, I'll do it to give it to us, we'll do it. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that answer because I think, again, it feeds into that mentality of, of building a strong team yep. and that's absolutely needed in, in cybersecurity. And, um, so I, I'm also curious because it sounds like there's also been a little bit of a shift in terms of your career too, in the sense that you had a very, uh, technical, mm -hmm. very hands-on, kind of work going on and not to say that that still isn't part of your job but it sounds like you're focusing a little bit more on people yeah um so i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that in terms of you know was that is that a shift that you're happy with do you enjoy that kind of focus or uh you know do you kind of miss the days of, of just kind of being in front of a like a keyboard and and tackling you know, problems like that. Yeah. So the introvert in me says technology all day. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I just want to be alone in the dark lit room with my hood up and just kind of hacking away on the keyboard and doing like, okay, yeah, we did these things. But that's not realistic. Um, I'm not a 24-7 automaton. Uh, I, <laughs> I really need to focus my efforts more on, uh, you know, we talked about uh, people processes and procedures, right? Those are the kind of the three things that I focus on in terms of cybersecurity. And when you really look at it, um, you know, a, a bunch of data and I'll make up a statistic because everybody does 80% of breaches occur because of people, uh, you know, yeah. go validate that somewhere. I'm sure someone in the world <laughs> agrees with me, but the, uh, the, the vast majority of breaches occur because of people. So, um, with a minimal amount occurring because of technological controls mm -hmm. or even procedural processes, policies, legal, whatever, uh, very few of those are the, the root cause of a breach. Um, so cybersecurity in mind, why am I vesting most of my time and effort into, um, processes, procedures, you know, the, the, the controls uh, and technological things, you know, hardware, capital funds, when really if I focus on people, right, and helping them be cybersecure, be culturally aware of cybersecurity uh, or create that culture of cybersecurity, um, I'm going to see a far greater return on investment, right? Uh, so why would I not focus my time, energy and efforts on that? Yeah, that's a good point. And it's interesting because I, 
I I think I actually have heard that statistic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, someone you know, in the world validates me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's it's been in my textbooks too. You yep. know that it's the the majority of breaches happen due to, to human error. Yep. Um, and especially with things like social engineering. You yep. know. Um, so I think that's a, a very good focus to have. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. part of the, I, I think it's important to recognize that, you know, it's like going to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, you're, you're in rough shape, but maybe you should, you know, eat right and exercise, right? We talk uh, about this at, at length at many of my speech, uh, speech speaking opportunities. Um, the eat right and exercise of cybersecurity is very simple. Uh, you know, don't eat cookies all the time. Go for a walk once in a while. <laughs> Okay, that's the exercise portion, uh, you know, in the in, in the real world, right? On the cybersecurity portion, it's yeah, doing the basics of password hygiene, know before you click, um, you know, trust but verify type of deal. You know, is this email really coming from who I think it's coming from? Why is it at an odd hour? You know, things like that, and that's all education and, and creating that culture. Or I think again, of, of uh, cybersecure people. Mm-hmm. Um, the technology and stuff like that is constantly evolving. I mean, 10 years ago, we had a GPS. We had a phone that was cellular, maybe. We had a camera. We had all these things. And now we have it in our pocket, right? And, yeah. oh, by the way, it plays music now, too, which right. is awesome. <laughs> all these uh, the technology is going to continue to rapidly advance. But people, generally, don't change that fast. Mm. So by taking the time, I think, to address the people, um, that's the eat right exercise of cyber. Yeah, there are some portions that are in the technology and in the procedural, you know, uh, part of the 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 triangle there. But um, the problem is us as IT professionals and cyber professionals, we like novel things. We like new toys. And so we get <laughs> a little squirreled, you know, we're like, oh, over here, new new thing. I want to I want to try that out. Uh, AI, you know, I want to do I want to do things with AI. Mm, how about let's like train people on how to recognize and report report phishing, you know, things yeah. like that. You know, let's train them on that. I I really appreciate that answer because I think, you know, even just at the beginning of this podcast, we were talking about how technology is just getting away from us. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's just advancing so quickly that yeah. we can't even necessarily see, understand fully how these tools are impacting us or what consequences or how they could be used in, yep. in bad ways. And so getting into cybersecurity and and understanding that this is going to be my responsibility that yeah. you know my job is going to be securing you know and um it starts to feel overwhelming but i yep. think hearing your answer about just saying how you know 80 percent of it is 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 people and just being able to take a breath and be like okay people have been the same yeah for generations you know people don't change that much right um so i i think that's a, a much more manageable position. Yeah, so I, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, and and you bring up a good uh, a, a good word there with uh, overwhelming, right? Uh, burnout's a huge thing in cybersecurity. More statistics, right? I'll I'll make up other ones. You know, burnout's experienced by sixty five percent or more of cybersecurity professionals because of that overwhelming nature of it. Twenty four seven on high alert. Everybody's attacking you constantly. Mm. You know, without having an infinite mindset. Uh, you know in place or understanding the impact of our work, it can definitely be overwhelming, you know, yeah. but I advise anybody coming up through the ranks, you know, as you're learning the technological side of it, as you're learning, you know, the people side of it, as you're learning the procedural side of it, um, have an infinite mindset. Uh, Simon Sinek, he's one of the folks that I look to for all of my, my like little words of wisdom and things like that. There's several, but he's one that's come to mind today because I was listening to it. Uh, the infinite mindset is one where, you know, I'm not going to press a button and all of a sudden my network's secure. 
I win, you know, no, no problem. Cybersecurity's won, uh, installed the new firewall. So we win for, you know, no, there's, there's no winning and losing, uh, really in cybersecurity. There's just a head and behind, Mm -hmm. uh, you want to stay in the game as long as possible. There's infinite number of players. They're constantly changing. The rules are constantly changing. The The challenges that you're overcoming are not the same as they were yesterday or the same that they'll be tomorrow. So by maintaining that infinite mindset, not only in, okay, I'm just going to have to be better than I was yesterday uh, technologically, but also as a person, right? As my ability to communicate, as my ability to um kind of work together or work through those systems and challenges is really going to be vital towards, you know, staving off that burnout, overwhelming feeling, Mm -hmm. um, and then tying it to impact, right? That one of the things that I try to relate to everybody is, um, yeah, I, I put a new rule on a firewall. Okay. What's that mean? Oh, I, I prevented 50,000 attacks on my network today. Okay. That's a little different, right? (laughs) Oh, I changed the firewall rule. No big deal. Yeah. You know, but when you phrase it in terms of, oh, we just blocked 50,000 attempted network intrusions because of one rule change. Yeah. Impact. Right. That means a lot. That's a, I, that's very, I like that approach, um, mm-hmm. especially because I, that was a, a great example of just kind of, you can just say, oh yeah, I, I, I changed one rule, you know, but then really kind of putting that into impact. And I think that can really kind of tie into that reward feeling of like, oh, my job matters. Yeah. And even, you know, little things that I do can, can make a big difference. Yeah. So that that's great. Yeah. So I guess I, I will shift the, the topic a little bit because I am curious. Um, who do you think is the most vulnerable popula- uh, population in Maine, at least when it comes to, to cybersecurity? Um, <laughs> most vulnerable population in Maine. Mainers? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You know, right? right? Everybody just looking at the amount of, uh, you know, just throwing out the nation state sponsored threat actors the targeted stuff towards like defense industrial based top secret stuff um cyber criminals don't care Mm -hmm. uh they want you to pay them Mm -hmm. uh they don't care if you're uh, an individual they don't care if you're a store they don't care if you're a bank uh if you have an opening uh and it's discovered uh you're gonna get you're gonna get a bad day you're gonna get a nasty little letter on your computer saying oh pay us a bitcoin or else we won't unlock it um, so yeah, it's really not, um, in terms of targeting anyway, a more vulnerable population. Now, if you look at it from the other lens, like who may be more susceptible, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're definitely going to have at risk populations, whether it be, um, some of our seniors, you know, that have, uh, done their best to keep up with technology, right? Cause it has changed. You know, uh, my father still doesn't log into the computer. He, he doesn't trust that, that box, yeah. which is fine. Uh, he still uses paper money and things like that, which, Hey, rightfully so, you know, that's his choice, uh, for, for at least the foreseeable future. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, the technology has advanced so rapidly that, yeah, they saw it occurring, but throughout their lifetimes, imagine what they've seen, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the senior population in Maine. So they're definitely one of the more at risk populations. And then, you know, they're also from a generation that uh, it was difficult for them to ask for help mm. or ask for, hey, I don't understand this. Can you teach me more about this? And that's not true. Again, never never is everything absolute. Only a fool deals in absolutes. So um, but in general, um, the population that I know um, that is senior to me wants to have this um, this display of like, I've got this, right? Because mm. for years, that's how, you know, that's how they did things. 
And I think it's very hard for them to ask for help, let alone, um, you know, admit when they have an issue, right? It's, it's one instance that I have in particular, uh, there was um, someone working at um, a facility, I, I won't get into too many details, but um, she uh, clicked on something, immediately recognized what she did, and it started locking up her computer, like, you know, ransomware thing. And um, rather than telling somebody, she felt so ashamed, she said, when asked, um, she just turned off the computer, turned off the lights to her office and left for the day. Uh, that infection then spread across the network. Oh, no. Yeah, right? And it's like, you know, we got to... My heart goes out. Too, right? right? Exactly. You know, how ashamed did she feel? And I was like, no, no, it's not something... And this wasn't anybody... I should caveat this. This wasn't anybody that worked with or anything. Um, but just through, you know, circles that mm-hmm. we're in, we hear these. And, um, you know, I wish I was there to kind of be there for her and say, look, it's not your fault that somebody, you know, came up and, and took you, stole your car. You know, it's not your fault that you all of a sudden get told, oh, you have cancer. It's not your fault that you were unaware to an attack that was done on you or an an incident, I should say, not an attack necessarily in this case, um, that was performed against you and you fell prey to it. Uh, You know, we're here to help you recover from that. You know, it's it's just something that we have to change as a society almost. Mm. Um, One of the things that I focus on in all my talks is... um, we're focusing too much on blaming people. You lost my data. You clicked that thing. You did this, you, 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 uh, rather than focusing on helping people out. Let's overcome this together. Let's recover. Let's be more resilient. Let's uh, get things back to normal, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I can appreciate Kind of pivoted that. off the topic. Sorry. <laughs> no, but, yeah. no. I think that's a great point to make, too, because the, you know, getting into cyber, it's not really a, necessarily a matter of... Um, you know, how not to get hacked. It's a matter of, okay, when will I get hacked and how do I respond to it? And, you know, I think, yes, obviously you want to do your best to mitigate that and prevent Mm -hmm. it from happening in the first place. But I think all of us kind of need to have this mindset that it's going to happen to us at some point, whether we're a big business or whether we're a a small business or we're just, you know, on Facebook or on YouTube and we're just at home and we click on something and regret it later. (laughs) Um, And I I do absolutely agree. We have this mindset of blame and, you know, do you think that that comes from a place of, you know, you you mentioned culture. Is that something that, how do you change that? Is that a policy change? Is it a law change? Is it, um, or or something even more abstract and, and difficult? It's a, it's a combination, right? Uh, again, uh, I think there's nothing that is a uh, silver bullet, right? I think it has to be a, a cultural um, shift where we have one of blame to one of support. And us, uh, we at CISA, like, we're all about that, right? Mm-hmm. We want to support you through these incidents. We want to be advisors for you, trusted agents that you can come to and say, hey, look, we experienced an issue. Help us through it, right? Um, so already that's kind of our mantra over there. Um, so we need to change culturally. Absolutely. Um, and then policy wise, if you look at policy and law and things like that, they're coming out, they're very reactionary and they're very much, um, punitive, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, if you experience a breach and again, I, I don't know all laws, I don't know all policies, but in, in general, if you experience a breach, um, you're going to get the stick. That's kind of counterintuitive in my, my analysis of it. Like rather, rather, wouldn't you rather say, Hey, if you come to us, let us know you experienced a breach. Uh, not only are you not going to get the stick because you told us, you're going to get help. 
you know, mm. we're going to, we're going to help you recover. Um, that really is going to be, I think, more successful than saying, oh, you got breached. Here's your fine. Pay <laughs> yeah. up twice, essentially. Why would you tell anybody? You That's know, what's the incentive point. to tell anyone? Right. Um, you know, yeah, law, but. We, yeah, you know. and I, that's a good point because I keep hearing too that a lot of these companies who get breached mm-hmm. and then you get a letter in the mail and it was like, oh, this happened, mm-hmm. oh, you know, six months, almost a year ago. You know, why am I just hearing about it now? Right. And, you know, I'm, I don't want to make assumptions or, or um, put a, a blanket uh, view on a company or anybody who is breached, but I, I think you're absolutely right in the sense that a lot of people who experience these breaches are not there's no, there's less incentive for them to come forward and more consequences yeah. um like they've already experienced something that is detrimental to their company and their business and then they're just that's just the beginning of that yeah. process for them yeah it's someone coming in and robbing your cash register and then someone showing up from the police station going oh you got robbed mm, you didn't lock your door uh give us more money you yeah, know? yeah. Like, it just kind of seems weird to me. It's, and again, I'm not a policymaker. I'm, I'm not a legal eagle by any means. But if anyone was to ask me my opinion, I would say try and make an incentive to um, be proactive and to uh, expedite the process mm-hmm. to uh, help others also preventing it from happening to them. Yeah, I, I, it's, I appreciate that you gave that answer. It's just not something that I think I had really slowed down to think about, mm-hmm. about, you know, kind of what is the process that comes after somebody is breached and how do we as a, as a country and as a culture approach that situation? And I think you're right. We do have a very much um, approach of just a, a blaming and then pointing the finger and saying, hey, this was your fault. <laughs> yeah, nobody went to work today and went, I'm going to get breached today. You know, <laughs> no one does that. So it's like, all right, let's let's think about this. But, yeah, and yeah. I, I appreciate, again, to the, the kind of going back to that whole collaborative nature of trying to come together. You know, at the end of the day, nobody wants to be hacked. Nobody wants to have right. their information stolen. Yeah, one of the grassroots effort, well, not even grassroots, national efforts that we're working through CISA, for example, is Secure by Design. Mm-hmm. Um, what it's doing is we've recognized that hardware and software development over the years has been done to uh, get a thing, get a widget. I want the thing now. <laughs> uh, well, okay, now we're saying, well, that works, but it leaves a lot of things vulnerable, a lot mm-hmm. of gaps, right? Because you're not considering security from the forward, you know, from the from the get go. Yeah, and so. We're starting this program with Secure by Design to say, all right, um, it's almost like a a stamp of approval, right? Like, yeah, you've designed this thing to a standard that we say you have thought about security in mind while developing it, gets that seal of approval, then it's like a trusted product, right, Mm -hmm. for example. Um, So I'll be excited to see where that goes um, and how that develops. You know, I'd want to see it on like every cell phone that it's in everybody's hands, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I want to be secure by design. Or applications, it's got a little badge on it that says, this says, says secure. You know, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but it's just very new and uh, mm-hmm. it's a novel concept. And I think it has a lot of those uh, collaborative efforts that we're talking about across the lines to say not only, um, yeah, we thought about security, it's been endorsed that, yeah, this is this is legit. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. I'm excited. I'll have to do a little more reading into that because yeah. I like this initiative. It sounds yep. cool. Yeah. If you were talking to some high school students or college students who are thinking about a career in cybersecurity, what advice would you give to them? That's a tough question because it's it's going to change, right? But it's it's Very true. it's well, it depends on the person, it depends mm-hmm. on timing, it depends on you know their abilities. 
Um, it's really going to be, uh, you know, you have to be inspired to be in this profession, to be a person who uh, wants to see others succeed. Um, we're very much in a, in a position where, um, yeah, we can we can do great things. Uh, you know, as cybersecurity professionals, we, we, we save the day all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really need to be good communicators, um, excellent with technology, understand operational needs, understand uh, the human element, right? Making sure that, you know, we're we're well versed in more than just technology, right? That's that's one part of that skill set. Um, you know, so if you're looking to come into cybersecurity to make millions of dollars, I, I argue there's other there's other pathways. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking to have a an impact on people's lives, their security, give them peace of mind, allow them to sleep better at night, as well as yourself, hopefully, uh, you know, to some degree, um, you know, then maybe it's a, a career for you, right? Um, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for someone who thinks they have all the answers. It's not for someone who just wants to get the degree and be done learning. Um, but it is for someone who uh, appreciates the challenge, likes working on uh, complex and involving problems, who um, enjoys uh, change, right? You mm-hmm. have to enjoy embracing and, and overcoming and, and sometimes um, <laughs> dealing with, for lack of uh, better words, uh, change, right? Yeah. So, yeah, if you like those things and, and you're, and you're um, uh, not seeking those millions necessarily, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good career to be in. Yeah, that's a very thoughtful answer. Thank you. And I think, you know, I I like to ask that question because I didn't know what I was getting into. Sure. When I we still don't. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, And I think you know maybe that'll be a little bit different as we're seeing more STEM Mm -hmm. being brought into um, K through twelve. You know, but that definitely wasn't my experience growing up. So. You know, I just kind of was like, oh, cybersecurity, what is this? You know, what am I yeah. getting into? And um, so I I think that's a great answer and will hopefully give some insight to anyone else who maybe is in my position who, right. you know, wants to know, like, why why should I get into cybersecurity? Yeah. No, it's much more than uh, updating your computer. You know, it's <laughs> right. much more than that. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Closing thoughts or anything that you'd like to leave with our listeners? That's always such a hard question, I know, you know, because right? you're like, oh, I'm <laughs> going to say the all these great things. <laughs> no, it's it's a good question, though. I mean, the, la- the last thoughts I'll say is, you know, you don't know what you don't know, mm. right? So being open to discussing, you know, even what you're, what keeps you up at night. You know, that's a simple one. I always ask people when I go in, what keeps you up at night? By even just sharing that sometimes, you can get so much of an improvement in terms of your security. And it's not necessarily for companies even. It's even for, you know, um, us as as individuals, right? If there are things that are um, unknown to you or worrisome to you, uh, ask for help for from those who have that expertise. Be willing to, uh, you know, admit that you're not strong in that. Like, you know, uh, if you if you just assume everything's going to be all right, the ostrich effect, I like to call it. Put your head in the sand and pray the you know the dogs don't eat you. Uh, you're going to take a bite. If you ask someone for help and be like, hey, uh, I really don't understand this. Can you explain it to me in terms that I can understand? And oh, by the way, I want to make a decision on this. Um, you're going to find that you're far better off than just uh, ignoring it until it becomes a problem, right? It's it's a little a little uh, ounce of prevention is, mm-hmm. is worth a pound of cure type of deal. It applies uh, cybersecurity as well, both for um, businesses and, 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 and all the, the people who make money and share money, but also as individuals, right? So 
the, the more you're willing to uh, seek out those resources, seek out that information, uh, the better off you're going to be and uh, ultimately more secure at the end of the day. Yeah. No, that's great advice. Thank mm-hmm. you. And uh, we also thank you for being on the show and, and driving such a long way out here oh, to yeah. be with us. I appreciate it. Oh, happy to be here. And uh, yeah. I, it's um, like 10 degrees warmer down here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, if, if anybody ever needs any help um, from CISA in particular, like I said, CISA.gov is a great resource. Go there. Um, you can click on the regional map and then uh, find out what region you're in. Find your for your your advisors, both for cybersecurity and I'll plug the physical security team as well. Um, if there are physical security concerns, uh, their services are all free as well, and they're they're very much the same as we are uh, focusing on. Yeah, security. absolutely. Well, we we use a lot of you guys' resources just in the classroom, especially looking at. Yep. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate it.